Hello everyone, this is Emmanuel Barrera from Venezuela and we're here today with John Lombrex, founder of Utopia Educators as an online hub who has studied a lot about world history, economics, mainly computer science and decentralized agriculture. Today we will be talking about different topics that are heartbreaking related to so many things between the American continent and the Latin American uh, continent. We will also be talking about the economics, political changes in my country, Venezuela, and how immigrants have gone too far with problems and difficult experiences. So let's start today with John Lambrix. How are you, John? I'm doing good. Thank you, Emmanuel. It's such a pleasure to be on here with you. Thank you so much for hosting. It's also a pleasure to have you here and have a conversation with you talking on the main plane about how a discussion can go too far from the point of view of an American citizen and from the point of view of a Venezuelan and Colombian citizen. So today we will be talking about the Venezuelan exodus, right? Starting this podcast, we've known that more than 3 million Venezuelans have fled by poverty, hunger, have experienced violence and persecution in the most recent years, journeying through the Americas, Southern Europe, and also to the United States. Commonly, we know that Venezuela is in the midst of an unprecedented polit political and economic crisis, which affects so many people depending on how they can live and how they have been living through the years, right? By hyperinflation, severe food and medicine shortage, um, and a lot of people who have been killed through the years. So, John, uh, I brought you here today as our, as our special guest in Utopia Educators because mainly I want to ask you, what is your point of view from the first question that I want to ask you today? What do you think of not only Venezuelan people going to the United States, but other immigrant people that have gone there to work, other people that have gone there to mm, do bad stuff like uh, violence to you know, like to kill people, which is not something good. And what do you think about people who have gone there or have been willing to have a better life quality? What do you think of that? Well, knowing that I'm from America and that we just got past the Trump administration, um, he basically put a big spotlight on immigration, which kind of pissed off a lot of the world um, because they right. want to get into America and they want to achieve potential of you know a free market uh good 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 law and order and unfortunately um yeah. in, the, in the very recent history in america we've also had a few problems so i can empathize with you in venezuela ironically a little bit in america i do have good opportunity here i do have a stable area i live in in florida um yeah and the immigration the immigrants from venezuela i haven't met much from venezuela actually mostly i meet from central america and mexico i seem to yeah. not be able to meet many venezuelans which is sad and it's really good to know you exactly um, mainly, we know that Venezuelan immigration, crime, and misperceptions are mainly a good topic to talk about because right now we're facing a pandemic, a global pandemic that shows that there are so many people out there um, struggling for the food. And suddenly, uh, there has been a large-scale movement of nearly 5.2 million Venezuelans out of, right now, our country. 
in Latin America since uh, 2014, with more than actually of the studies, 4.2 million of them selling in other countries in Latin America and in the Caribbean continent, which has raised concerns about how this is mainly affecting receiving communities, poor communities, and other wealth, uh, before wealthy communities, uh, which have not longer not uh, living a good life. So we know that this mainly is affecting other people and also this has to be related with the political um, economical change in Venezuela, which mainly shows how Venezuelans has got, have gone to, to other countries, to Spain, to Italy, to France. I even have one friend in, in France right now who went there and couldn't be able to communicate and that was a problem for her. And from her point of view, as far as I know, it was related to um, the food problems in Venezuela. So she had to go out of her country, mainly because she couldn't be able to just um, work anymore in Venezuela for um, minimum wage, shorter than $5, which was a problem Sad, for yeah. her. So how, did she, how is she doing now? She's doing perfectly fine and i'm just glad for her because right now i i i had just heard that she had been helping her mom with a lot of money and well that that is very great to know when you have right. when you have friends that are uh, out there in foreign countries that's good at least she's doing good and all. how is she, is she exactly. in france still or is she yeah she's right now in, in in france she she also told me that whenever i wanted to i could learn french Nice. And well, that's, so she's that's, that's great. Exactly, that's very, very great. We know also, in, in a abstract point of view, we know that Venezuelans were once considered one of the happiest people in the world. And we're happiness report by just knowing that, however, we know that, however, this happiness changed recently as the country had been starting to endure one of uh, its worst crises since it became a country in 1811. So we knew that oil was a potentially um, natural uh, richmond that ruined Venezuela by the politicians and everyone in the government. So we know that this situation right now is not something new, right, John? Basically, this is something that has been... Yeah, if you want me to exactly, speak on that. Exactly. So we know that... Um, the issue brief explores data in the three countries with the largest number of Venezuelan migrant, migrants and refugees um, by the last year in 2020. We know that a lot of Venezuelan people have gone mainly to Colombia, to Chile, to Peru, and to the United States of America, which together hosts more than 3 million Venezuelan nationals going to other countries to understand whether uh, and what sort of relationship exists between the immigration problems and crime rates. So basically, John, do you think that do you think that mainly uh, another Latino immigrant going to your country uh, favors your country or makes your makes the situation in your country worse, depending on what those people plan to do in your country, as to work or as to do any kind of uh, bad thing related to crime, to violence? What do you think of a good opportunity for any kind of person wanting and being in the proper willing to go to another country just for work and just for have a nice life quality? What do you think of that? I've actually worked with a immigrant on a farm in the Long Island region. He was from Mexico and right. he was staying in Long Island illegally 
but he was doing, he was doing a, he, he, it was a nightmare for him to get to even just a farm. Just a nightmare. Wow. He had to to kind of operate on the black market and Mm -hmm. it's just a nightmare for that to not be able to, um, legally enter the, the state, you know what I mean? It's just exactly. a night, it's like a being recognized. Have to live in fear. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the, a the right way to onboard new citizens in a country is to teach them the culture, teach them mm-hmm. the language, teach exactly. them the values. And unfortunately, our leaders just constantly talk about the wrong things. And mm-hmm. in both countries. So, um, what I would like to say to immigrants trying to get into the United States is save up money. Um, try, try to do it the right way because it is going to be a nightmare as well. Exactly. Um, living, on, living on the black market, um, you know what I mean? And it's, it, right. you know, it's, it's hard to explain because I've seen a lot of good in, um, coming from the Latin American communities but I've seen yeah. a lot of bad as well when they s- start to get fearful. And I think Donald Trump um, made the smart Latinos mm-hmm. and let- Latinos realize that, wait a second, this guy is trying to prevent what's happening all around the world in Venezuela, Iran, um, China, all these socialist areas who are deteriorating mm-hmm. and lying. To their population, a lot of the smart Latinos really made a difference in exactly. the last four years. Um, and the the only negative I can see is when they only um, uh, assimilate with other Latinos. Americans yeah. Americans love interacting with all groups um, mm-hmm. or cultures. Mostly we treat people as individuals, at least I do, and everyone I know treats people as individuals. So I think exactly. the, the fear-mongering from the, the networks and the, even the presidents uh, mm-hmm. in regards to migration of people is an issue. It is an issue because we have a system of taxation, and a lot of the times... Okay, so the issue is we have a system of taxation, and so mm-hmm. when, the, when the immigrants come, they're not on the books for taxation or nothing. So that's where, a lot, know about of, it. That's where a lot of the negative opinions from some of the people in America come from. They're not paying for the services, they're not paying for the schools, and Democratic yeah. cities like Chicago and New York mm-hmm. just give them free welfare. Like, for example, I was in um, a welfare office in Illinois once, Mm -hmm. and the only people I saw in there were immigrants. And they had to be like, um, they were working there, but they were also being like offered uh, free welfare for them, right? Like shelter. I think that's dangerous. I think that's dangerous. Right, because sometimes, yeah, yeah, I see your point. That's very, very dangerous because sometimes we like we recognize that uh, in a matter of fact, in a certain way, that some people don't even like to work 
they don't want to work and they want everything like basically they want everything totally free, free of all causes. And that shouldn't be the way of going to a country where you basically have to work, where you must work if you want to live there and have a good healthcare, good food and trying to be legal there, right? Trying to get a good labor. Yeah. So I would encourage all immigrants to do their best to save money as best they can. And that's why I advocate Bitcoin because it can be used exactly. worldwide and saved worldwide and transmitted across borders worldwide. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just a very revolutionary money system that can help immigrants and all of the unbanked. So that's, that's why I pay some of the authors in Bitcoin. And, in Bitcoin? Yep. And um, that's just one solution to getting these people banked and money is to exactly. convince them or to educate them that sound money and having a savings is more important than just a backpack when they come to, across the border. Exactly. And I understand, I understand that important. can't be possible in a short amount of time, but it can be possible in your area. In, in areas where there's d discomfort, there's always opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. Emmanuel, the, the, the words of advice to you, as I know you want to move, is just definitely stay positive, do your best in your mm -hmm. community, slowly and surely, okay? And slowly and surely, yeah, that's one of the best ways to, do, to, to, to just make our best efforts in order to complete or achieve a goal. I exactly. think that's very important step to know. Everyone, everybody should know that. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we we can discuss about survival services, right? Much of the discussion um, we can focus mainly on the uh, provision of survival services, uh, as we were talking about welfare, free welfare, such as food, healthcare, shelter, uh, shelter, legal counseling, and labor market insertion, right? We know that most Venezuelan uh, immigrants are right now maybe poor and low skilled, uh, knowing as a matter of fact that some some people don't have not don't have anything to offer, and that ma that may be a problem for a lot of people when they don't speak their language. I mean, even for me, uh, at the beginning when I started to learn English, I remember that I met a lot of people um, living in the United States who would speak back to me in Spanish, and I told them, I usually would tell them, can we speak in English because I need to practice? And they told me, no, uh, we've been living here for more than probably half a year or two years, and we can't still like do good with the English, right? So we know that related to multiple social services, sometimes that, 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 that would be a problem, right, for most of the agencies that provide social services, which shows or seems as, a, as an enormous or a huge costly, um, like something they charge, uh, it's charged for governments, right, which are, would be probably out of resources. So, John, do you think that I'll thought uh, most countries provide at least minimal services? In Venezuela, there, there are not social services at all because of the current situation. But do you think that people who are living in the United States and speak no English at all would be able to have the same opportunities of a person who speaks English? Do you think that this would be an advantage at all? Living, because I do think that if you speak a language in a country 
mainly you would be facing like you wouldn't be facing at all difficulties related to trying to communicate yourself but i'm not sure if like from your point of view do you still consider that a person who speaks english has more possibilities of getting uh an employment or a job by speaking english than a person who doesn't speak english at all of course that's true but at the same time it's spanish is kind of commonplace in certain neighborhoods and the problem yeah. with the problem with that is that then you get stuck in your own neighborhood your whole life exactly who only speak your language and you're stuck watching venezuelan tv or you're stuck watching telemundo and you can't assimilate with the you know alternative media or the mass media it's hard for them to understand so to really um it, to, my advice to people coming to america is please come and please please save your money and please learn english and it's it's not it's not um what's the word what's the word that donald trump was called um xenophobic it's not xenophobic to want americans uh, specifically Latin Americans, to right. speak your language. It's not xenophobic. And we didn't take over your land as white people or anything. We exactly. were immigrants leaving medieval, feudal, European hell. Same as you. Exactly. So that that's the point, that the equality is the main point related not only with languages but with the culture of so many people yep it's a cultural deficit right now i would say and exactly. i think i think we should have every nation every nation national culture migrate towards more of a local culture and a more of a dependence on family and neighbors in the sense of yeah. friends and not stealing from your neighbors etc yeah wow so basically um now talking about uh price controls in venezuela um we know that price controls are disastrous for venezuela and also everywhere else we know that we have also seen images of citizens waiting in lines to get basic goods uh foods like um floor milk toilet paper basic basic stuff that we all should use in our daily lives throughout supermarkets in venezuela this is something across the internet which shows um surreal imagery which is a norm presented in in venezuela a lot of people have to wait long lines and sometimes they don't get what they want in order to get food so we know that Venezuela was Latin America's most economically and politically stable country, one of the most steady, steady countries mm -hmm. uh, back in the past, right? For to the present, um, also Venezuela is not only undergoing an unprecedented and economic collapse, but it is also on the verge of becoming a failed state, you know, a failed country. But if we talk about trying to understand Venezuela's shortage, uh, the crisis that Venezuela is facing right now, we ask ourselves, John, we know that Venezuela was one of the richest countries in Latin America. 
But how could possibly a country that was once so prosperous and rich fall to such lows? What do you think that was the main point of the fall in the economic crisis that Venezuela is facing right now? Do you think it is um, mainly focused on the people or do you think that because right now talking to you, um, the president of Venezuela have been, say, have been saying multiple times that the fall of the crisis in Venezuela, the, the, the mainly, mainly the people who were guilty for the situation in Venezuela were the American uh, uh, politicians, uh, as Donald Trump, as he meant, uh, talking to them and also uh, meaning to Obama back in the time when he meant Uh, he said that United States was a threat to Venezuela and that it was a problem, that they were not going to Venezuela as uh, to invade Venezuela. So do you think that the problem is mainly in Venezuela or do you think that the problem had to be related with the situation between both these countries, Venezuela and the U.S.? Manual. It goes back far in history um, mm -hmm. in, since about Al Capone. Um, yeah and the federal assaults and drug wars and also the narco state setups by the yeah. Chicago boys. So Maduro right. is actually right in a sense that South America was um, taken advantage of by corporations like the Rand Corporation. Um, yeah. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Okay, I think, so I think I heard it once, but I'm not sure. Okay, so that's a company who builds infrastructure for third world countries on debt. Wow. So they convince, they convince third world countries or, you know, poorer countries to take on huge projects and they, they do it based on debt. So the book I would recommend to learn about that and to learn about the old history of mm -hmm. economic uh fascism i would call it yeah toward, towards as it was Latin called America would be mm -hmm. confessions of an economic hitman by mr perkins i would highly recommend that book confessions of an economic hitman okay writing it right now okay so that's an interesting book right we we we're even going to find it right now interests Of Confessions right. of an Economic Hitman. Okay, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. That is a semi-autobiographical book written by John Perkins, first published in 2004. Wow. So this book provides Perkins' account on his career with engineering consulting firm Chaz. Um... Right, so basically this book talks about how the situation was mainly, um, like how the situation was way worse before and how that's related with, with the situation, the crisis right now, the current crisis. It's a long game that is played by world government people to take advantage right. of them. And unfortunately, America has been the target during the Trump administration and uh you can see the the world reacting to the collapse of american ideals on the news at least 
but it's not happening on the streets. Right. Man, at this least. is this is something really interesting. This is this is um this is also awesome to know because well even some people who are, who have been by side of the Venezuelan government think that actually the problem like some people are not in in favor they do not agree with the Venezuelan government but they think that the only people who have been guilty through all this time of the crisis is the United States and also you know mainly um Let's speak on that Emmanuel yeah. So so basically the the issue of sanctions. Mm -hmm. So Maduro is overstepping his bounds in in your own country in regards to trying to seize control and remain a dictator of everything. Uh and that is not a healthy way to run a country, especially with the uh Uh, principles of socialism and dependence on government. So that's a very unhealthy way to lead a country. So it's really simple. You need to depend on yourself, your family, your friends, your exactly. business you you ally with, and and don't burn bridges. And unfortunately, Maduro burned the bridge with America and was scared exactly. of the of the oil and. I wouldn't be fearful, really? Manuel. I mm -hmm. wouldn't be fearful at all. You're you're fine, and you're fine, and you're very smart, and you're an asset. You're an asset Thank to you your very country, much. and I think you should be very proud. And I'm very happy to work with you. You're a good, you're yeah, a good Venezuelan. You're welcome in America. Thank you very much, John. Thank th thank you for your words. Talking this about the words that you said that uh, Venezuela and also uh, the current president in Venezuela born all the bridges with uh, with the United States is actually very true because talking right now about the education and how Venezuelans plan to leave the country without knowing English we know as a matter of fact that some people in the past when they when 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 it was known that they couldn't speak english but they they wanted to visit united states as a as tourist people uh, we know that the u.s embassy was in venezuela accepting admissions for uh traveling forward to the united states and visiting for over uh about three months or six months and also yeah In Venezuela born all the bridges with the United States, mainly with the competition, as you said before. It's very, very true because talking mainly about the education, we know that the education in Venezuela is in total crisis and it's a chaos. Uh, starting with the teachers, with, with the minimum wage, they don't pay well enough to the teachers. And absolutely, the teachers that are right now are currently working is just because of their patience. It's just they're doing it just because they love their jobs. They don't that they still have hope for Venezuela and their students. It's students so, right now. So here's the here's where the competition came from: um, American yeah. oil companies. Yeah, the the oil companies. So we actually started we we produce the most oil in the whole world now. Yeah. Now we're moving to at the same time during the Trump administration, we had ironically the most investment into electronic vehicles uh, while we were mm -hmm. making the most oil. So it it shows that Americans are smart and it's still a country that we should be proud of and 
I'm proud of, I'm proud to be an American personally. Um mm-hmm. no matter who made mistakes in the past, I've lived a good life. Um and I I haven't taken advantage of anyone. Um so Right. So you're an honest man. man. The thing That's is, right. as a businessman, the mm-hmm. whole thing about business is taking advantage of opportunity. So that's why people hate. That's why some people hate rich people because they took advantage of opportunity. But that's exactly. how you. That's how you improve things. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage of opportunities. So it's really simple, and I think people need to simplify their lives as, as far as, you know, should I move here or there or where. Just simplify everything and focus on what really matters and not dream too hard because that can lead you down a, the wrong path sometimes, um, especially when you're marching marching up a whole continent mm-hmm. to an already uh, country who is having problems as well. Um, yeah. It's not going to work out. It really isn't. So I fear... That these people marching from Honduras through Guatemala mm-hmm. right now are not going to live a good life. And exactly, it's because it's not their they're fault. facing... It's not mm-hmm. their fault because they're fleeing a horrible area. It exactly. is a, it's a historical clustered mess of central bankers and corporations mm-hmm. like the Rand Corporation who put your, who put your government... Mm-hmm debt and they also exactly. they also have dealt drugs mm-hmm. the, the, like the like colombia and venezuela between the border people going there and also seeming this this seems like a problem the for them not the immigrants when they selling march. drugs not the immigrants selling the drugs they're the they're the last on the totem pole it's mm-hmm. it's it, it goes deep into the deep state of Deadly drugs. Or bankers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bankers and deep state. Yep. Right. So, um, John, mainly closing our episode, um, talking about the education, right? We know that Venezuela's the political and economic crisis is in, right now is in the recent news, uh, news headlines with reports on daily protests, violent repression of those people opposing to, uh, uh, the president of Venezuela presidency, right? Fomenting international tensions, right? Even people who have um, friends in Venezuela, foreign uh, people from um, English-speaking countries, from other um, countries, even in Latin America, they are very worried about Venezuelan Venezuelan friends who are citizens currently living in Venezuela. But if we talk about visas, if we talk about people having a good education in Venezuela, we can tell, I can tell, as a matter of fact, that the education in Venezuela may be a problem. Stating, stating the fact that some people don't have a good education at all, followed or led by any tutor, starting with English as an opportunity to even have the opportunity or the chance to travel to an English-speaking country. We know that the education in Venezuela is mainly a problem because some other people um, some other people have the opportunities, but they don't take advantage of those opportunities to learn English. And some people don't have the resources and they want to take advantage of the opportunities, even if they had them, right? 
Yeah. But we know that for decades, Venezuelan standard of education have been ranked among the highest in the region, right, in Latin America. And although the country's education system is overextended and underfunded, the government has remained committed to the vision that every citizen in Venezuela is entitled to a free education. But we know that by free education, what does it mean? What does it really mean? Um, talking in Venezuela, free education is a problem because uh, there are people who are currently uh, facing low resources related to the education. Parents who have no money at all to give a good education to their children, and they give their children's uh, future to the government. And the government the, uh, is not um, getting, like, basically its, its nose into the business of education in Venezuela because they, they wouldn't care at all about students in Venezuela by having a free education trying to fly to another country, trying to, to, to have a, a good, like, a better life quality. And we know that the Ministry of Education in Venezuela was and is still in the authority, uh, mainly responsible for oversight and regulation of education in Venezuela, which is highly centralized, talking about a free entitled education. But John, do you think, uh, do you think that students in Venezuela should have a paid education or a free education in a country where they are not learning anything if they have a free education, but they learn by themselves? That's a good question. Ironically, I believe the best education system arises with voluntary collaboration. Anytime you're, anytime you're forced into a school or forced into anything, the incentive is eliminated. Right. So even, um, even parents forcing their kids to a school that is free is still, yeah. is still not healthy. The kid, it's not healthy at all. The kid should have an opinion on what he wants to learn in collaboration with their parents. Exactly, and, in collaboration with their thoughts. And the best, the best way to pay for a tutor or a smart person mm -hmm. to deal with is to learn their language, learn mm -hmm. um, if, if they're in another country at least. Um, and if you're in your country, the best way to take advantage of your education is to just respect the people teaching you and mm -hmm. ask them questions. That's a maybe, problem maybe right show now. Them, maybe show them that you're smart too. You know exactly. Talking about this, we we know that in Venezuela, um, there are some people who are not um, having respect for the teachers, right? Exactly. We know that the authorities in Venezuela are not caring at all about the respect that the students have for the teachers, right? Right. Yeah, that's a problem. And um, that also arises due to the fact that kids are stuck in school for eight hours per day in times where they should be, you know. Exactly. Maybe not they on were... the computer, but also more balanced physical activities, stuff like that. Exactly. So it, it, worried, it about, worried about their health. Yeah. Not worried about their health, but improving their health. Improving their health. Yeah, that's very, very right.
So in today's podcast, we discuss about Venezuela situation in relation between with United States and other countries in Latin America, uh, relating to the American continent and the Latin American continent, right? So I am very glad to be talking today with John because we mainly we, we can see a different point of view of what an American citizen thinks about the situation an experienced uh, business uh, man who has been working through his years to learn uh, more about other cultures and also respect respects other people's opinions. Mainly, we know that the respect is the main source of looking forward to new opportunities and also making uh, and creating, building a healthy relationship between friends, between uh, other cultures and other ways of thinking. Right, John? Exactly. And even respecting, we, even respecting the rich is important. Exactly. Even respecting um, other ways of other manners, right? Other manners in, in relation with what they think and what they have experienced, right? Because I, I once heard that the experience in Spanish is la experiencia is la madre de todo. Like the experience is the mother of everything. You basically can um, talk to a person as if you knew more than this person that has been already, that has been through this already, but still you feel, or this person might feel like, uh, if she or he, or he would know more than a person who has already been living through that experience. So we all should have respect for each other, and that is mainly how we identify ourselves in Utopia Educators. Because we, we, we always try to look forward education and try to m let people know that everyone around the world have different cultures and different ways of thinking. So it's basically everything is important to know is all in the respect and how we learn to respect other people in, in, in order to also get respect and gain respect. And Emmanuel, what do you think about your job at Utopia Educators? I think that my job has taught me a lot, uh, starting with the main fact that I have learned um, how to build a healthy relationship with you and with my partners, with my work partners. And it has also helped me a lot to just distribute my time in order to just give and share uh, my, communi my communicative thoughts to the people I, I want, which are my readers. And specifically to a public, a general public who like to read a lot about interesting topics related to languages, to healthy um, diet foods, to uh, topics related with all over the world, all around the world related to uh, traveling about other countries, uh, specifically about languages. My job, I consider that my job has been an important step to me. Uh, since the day one that I started to work as a writer, as an interpreter, and as a podcaster in Utopia Educators. Mainly because we know that Utopia Educators has been an important way of just sharing uh, education all over the world uh, from different points of views and how we know that Utopia Educators has been awesome and incredibly um, a good effort and a good step for each one of us, knowing that it's awesome for me, as an opportunity to be part and to form part in Utopia Educators. Awesome, Emmanuel. Thank you. Uh, you make me proud and
I can't wait to continue to grow the site and to grow as a partner with you. So thank you, Emmanuel, work partner. So thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for your time. Stay Mm -hmm. strong. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. Thank you. I send you a big hug from here, from Venezuela, and I hope everything is good for you right now. All the love and affection from here. Thank you. Okay, so we're we're closing today's uh, episode in our podcast with John and your host, Emmanuel. Thank you for listening. See ya. Bye.